0: almost a year and a half, and uh, we, have, we are in chapter 5, after a five-week break for Advent and New Year's, chapter 5, and today we're going to be focusing on one little verse, verse 7. However, we're going to read the verse before it and the word verse after it. Even though we've already talked about those verses, what we're going to read them so that it will help us understand verse 7. We've been talking about the various states of existence of the believer. We talked about the final state of glorification to which we are headed... We talked about the intermediate, what is called the intermediate state. That time for those who die before the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. The state in which they live, and we will live perhaps, between our death and the final day of Christ's coming. But today we're going to talk about our present state of living. How do we live as God's people in this age? How do we experience Christ in this age? And so we read 2 Corinthians 5 verses 6 to 8. But again, our focus is on verse 7, which is only a few words long. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body... We are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. This passage teaches us that in this present state, there is a sense in which we are away from the Lord. We know that while we are at home in the body, and we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Now does this mean the Lord isn't with us? No, it doesn't. He is with us through the Holy Spirit. He is with us spiritually, but he's not with us in the way that he was with his disciples. And he's not with us in the way that he will be with us on the last day. Yes, there's a sense in which Christ is with us, but there's also a sense in which Christ is away from us, off in heaven, from where he will return on the last day. And if we die before the Lord returns, we will go to be with him, even though we will be separated from our bodies. And that's why it says we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we, are, we will be away from the body. You know, Paul says an extraordinary thing here in verse 8. He says that it's better to be away from the body than away from the Lord. Better to be away from the body than to be away from the Lord. Do you realize what this means? It means that we need the Lord more than we need our own bodies. When we wake up each morning, do we realize that we need the Lord more than we need our own bodies? So while we are here and can't see the Lord, we walk, as Paul says, not by sight, but by faith. Because he's not here to see. So we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Walking in the Lord's path is an idiom that is commonly used in the scriptures for the Christian life. And that idiom is the foundation of what Paul says here when he says we walk not by uh, walk by faith not by sight. Walking in the Lord's path, you know, walking along a path. And it this you know, understand what this idiom implies. It was written in the this was written in the ancient world where modern forms of transportation were obviously not available. And you walked You walked when you didn't, you know, people didn't go out to walk to get their daily exercise. They walked for a necessity. They didn't have to set aside time for exercise because they were exerting themselves often just to walk to the places that they needed. Travel was tedious and often long. And almost always on foot. This idiom implies that as Christians we are on a journey. A journey of limited duration. We're not just wandering like in the wilderness with with no end. There is a destination that we're going to. And a time that God knows but we don't know that we will arrive. And as we walk on this journey... We walk by faith, not by sight. It was it was different for the original disciples and the original followers of Christ. Theirs wasn't so much a walk by faith as a walk by sight. They actually saw Jesus in the flesh. They witnessed his miracles. A few of them even beheld his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw him in his resurrected state. Through Advent, in our creedal reading, we read 1 John 1, to 1-3, which talked about the apostles and their experience with Christ. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, And testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim now also to you. As in many human experiences, the many live by faith in what the few have seen with their eyes. We live by faith in what the apostles saw. We don't have sight, but they had sight. Our faith is based on their sight and their witness. They heard it, they saw it, they touched it with their hands. And then they testified to it, about it, to us, and proclaimed it to the world. Before, they, before Jesus returned to heaven, he began to wean his disciples off of the sight that had been the basis of their belief. Remember, Thomas wouldn't believe because he wasn't there to see the resurrected Jesus. He wouldn't believe the testimony of the others. Until he saw it with his own eyes. And then when Jesus appeared the next Sunday, he showed Thomas the wounds. He saw him, Thomas saw him in the flesh. And this is what Jesus said to him in John 20, 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And once Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples walked by faith. Not by sight, because no longer did they see him, though they still had memory of their sight. You see, it's not that these things can't be seen at all. Like a lot of people, the way they view faith is that it's just believing in something that is impossible to see. They were seen over and over again. By a multitude of people over a fairly long period of time. And they've been faithfully recorded and passed along through the centuries. Their original testimony. And we, as people, we accept what we are told by multiple and reliable sources by faith that's what faith is faith means believing what you're told because you trust the person or persons who are telling you we believe in Jesus though we, were, we never saw him with our eyes through the testimony of those who did see him with their eyes we believe the things God tells us in his word though we haven't seen those things because we know that God is trustworthy one day, these things will be seen again by everyone on the last day, the day of revelation. 1 John 3:2, for we know that when he appears, we will see him just as he is. 1 Corinthians 13:12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. But for now, our Lord is no longer visible in our eyes. He's just as real. He is spiritually present with us. We still have his word, but we can no longer see him visibly. So we walk by faith, not by sight. So what is faith then? Faith is the assurance, as Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You see, faith is knowing something which you can't see. Faith is knowing what's true without being able to see it with our physical eyes. Walking by faith is living according to what we know Instead of according to what we see, we do this all the time in all sorts of areas of life. We know that the North Pole exists, though none of us have ever seen it. We know that radioactive materials are dangerous, though we cannot see the danger of them. The news tells us every day about what is happening around the world. But very little of it have we ever seen with our own eyes. We just hear reports from hopefully reliable witnesses. All of our knowledge of history, virtually at least, is based on faith, not on sight. Faith is not contradictory to reason. We live by faith in many ways. We live by faith in our doctors and the medical community and the research that's been done. We live by faith in our teachers and that their teachers before them. We live by faith in the FDA that we can go to the store and buy food and it's not going to poison us. We live by faith in Dot That you're not going to be on a country road and turn a corner and go off a cliff. Faith in Christ, contrary to what some people think, is not just imagination. It's not just choosing to believe what we hope is true. It's not just religious wishful thinking. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean that thing doesn't exist. Just because something is out of sight doesn't mean there isn't good reason to believe in it. There are all kinds of things that we believe in on the testimony of others or because of the evidence. But why do some folks believe in the testimony and not others? Is it because some are gullible and others are not? That's what I used to think. But why is it that so many people disbelieve even before they've even heard the evidence? The Bible tells us that because of sin, people are blind toward God. They cannot see. We read about this we read about this last fall in 2 Corinthians 4 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now some would say that's ridiculous. Let me ask this question how do you know you're blind? Or if you if How do you know if you're blind in some way? How can a person who's born blind even know what seeing is? What if 90% of all the people in the world, what if there's some genetic mutation, and 90% of the people in hundreds of years were born blind? Would they scoff at the others who claim to see things yeah, right there 's something there if they did they wouldn 't be right. The fact is, there is sight, even if no one could see it, even if every man and woman in the world was born was blind there would there 's still things there to be seen. not only this, but the Bible says. That folks who are blind toward God don't want to see Him. As Ray Stevens said, there is none so blind as he who will not see. So we live in the age of faith and hope, eagerly awaiting the age of sight. Romans 8: "For in hope you have been saved, we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. We are content to walk by faith, putting our faith in the Lord, though we presently can't see Him. Here are precious words from 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 about this. This is worthy of putting on a poster and putting it in your house. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is our call. This is our call in this age to believe in what we do not see. To celebrate even though there's nothing we can see to celebrate. In one of our hymns, Jesus on my cross have taken, one of the verses says this, Hasten on from grace to glory. Armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before thee. God's own hand shall guide thee there. Soon shall close thy earthly mission. Swift shall pass thy pilgrim days. Hope shall change to glad fruition. Faith to sight. And prayer to praise. But it's not always easy to walk by faith and not by what we see. To live according to what we know instead of what seems to be going on around us. Sometimes things look good when they're actually bad. Sometimes things look bad which are actually good. Sometimes things taste good but are bad for you sometimes things which feel bad are actually good for you. Poison doesn't always look bad or smell bad. Pain always hurts. But that doesn't mean pain is always bad for you. It's so easy to be fooled by the way that things look or feel. Some believers clamor for a vision of God or a vision of Jesus in the here and now but God has chosen for us to not see him with physical eyes now and I don't mean to dismiss or demean someone who has a, a dream about Jesus I know God has used that in many cases to, uh, to being, bring people to himself I'm talking about the expectation of being able to see him in the flesh. He wants us to walk not by sight. Rather, he wants us to put our trust in what he tells us in his word. And not need to see him to know that he is. When we were in Kenya in 2010, Robert Carr, our missionary there, uh, asked if we wanted to go visit the slums of Nairobi. And like most people who are like us, there was a part of me that said, oh, maybe it's a good time to take a nap at the hotel. You know, because it's just a scary place. It's a dirty place. It's a dangerous place. It's a smelly place. It's an uncomfortable place. It's a haunting place. And I knew enough to know that. But that's what I see, and that's what it looks like. But I walk by faith, not by sight. And does, is that what Jesus wants? To me to take a nap and miss my perhaps only opportunity of my life? To walk into this place and see this family? Julius and Mary and their three children who are live in that place and minister the word of God there and love their neighbors. From God's word, I knew I couldn't refuse to go there. That, that I could expect to find Jesus in the slums of Nairobi and not in the hotel room. Because that was not where his word was pointing me to go I'm not saying it's always the right answer to do the hard thing that's not always the case the point is we have to be moved and led by what we know from God's word not what we feel like not what seems good to us and we can expect to find Jesus when we Put our faith in him and go where he wants us to go. You know, we're very, as human beings, we're very influenceable. I know that's not a word. Impressionable is the perhaps likely one to use there, but it's a, it's a little better, I think, to say that we're influenceable. We're affected by, the, by what we see and what's around us. And so we're in this world and our eyes are open and and we're seeing things all the time. And if we're going to walk by faith and not by what we see, we have to be plugged into what God says. We have to be listening to what God says. We have to surround ourselves with people who are speaking to us about what God says. To counterbalance what we're seeing all the time. We're supposed to be interacting with this world. And that means that there has to be something else that, we're, that is giving us the other side. And so we need to pay attention to God's word. We need to know what he says. We need to listen to what he says. Do We need to remind ourselves what he, to what he, what he says. We need to hammer into our souls what he says. It's so easy to lean on our own understanding and not put our trust in his word, you know in the end of uh, Hebrews ten there's a great verse that talks about this in um, you know that the people that he's writing to have been suffering, lots of persecution, and it, you know at first they did very well, but It's going on and on and on. And they're getting weary of it. And he writes this letter. To encourage them not to give up. But to keep steadfast in their faith. And in Hebrews 10.35 he says. Therefore do not throw away your confidence. Which has a great reward. So. I just think there's something beautiful here. Here's a situation where their circumstances are making them doubt the Lord. Because the waves of persecution just keep coming. You know, all of us have been, well, not probably all of us have been at the beach, but most of us have been at the beach enough to know what it's like to get knocked over by a wave. And you know, that can be a little scary, but it's not that bad if you just can get up and walk away. But when it's one wave after another and you kept getting knocked over, you start to panic. And it's that's what the situation they were in. And it was natural for them to, to have that begin to well up in their hearts. But now he says, don't lose your confidence, for your confidence will bring you great reward. What this means is that God, the God who's allowing wave after wave of difficulty and persecution to come into their lives, is himself, if they are keeping their eyes on him and remembering him and putting their trust in his promises, he is smiling at them, even though allowing them to suffer. And that's, that's it. That's walking by faith. It's remembering. That God is still there. That he still cares about me. That he has not abandoned me to, to Sheol or to the, the chaos of, of what is just happening by pure coincidence. He is every cell of our bodies, he knows. And every atom of things that come our way, he is in control of it and he's doing it because he loves us. And therefore, I can trust in him, no matter what my experience says, no matter what my eyes tell me, because of his promises, because of his precious promises and his word. And I better be listening to that word, or I'm going to forget about it. That, I think, is what God wants us to do, to walk by faith and not by sight.